I think you just have to accept it. Say that you stay in. Definitely going to deny it. Good man. <laughs> that sounds like, like this is going to be like, really successful. You do the whole podcast, you're like, well, what happened? Like, where's the recording? Like, this, this dude just never showed up the entire time. <laughs> so me and Matt talked shit for like an hour and a half. Dude, you got the podcast and need a virtual background, man. Do you like that? Yeah, you're in between yourself and Matt. You're a sandwich of your yourself. I'm a sandwich of myself. <laughs> <laughs> you're a sandwich of yourself. Oh, in the in the intro, Darren, don't worry about shouting out the podcast because we discontinued the podcast, so it's not like I'm trying to oh, any, any direction. Go. Yeah, like the there's one episode there, so if you ask that question, I'll still mention it. Um, okay. Oh, it's on Spotify and everything, but we're not continuing it anymore. Oh, disaster. Disaster, yeah. We didn't quite make it as far as podcasting is, you know? Man, what? you had 550 followers on YouTube as well. On YouTube, yeah, we got 100k um, views just as we stopped. Like, it was crazy. It blew up the clips. We're definitely going to have to ask the question about why you stopped in the, in the interview. <laughs> Don't ask that. No, my mate, um, he started doing real estate, so he just focused on that. And then I was just focusing more on stand-up and work, so we didn't have the time to come together and do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Perfectly reasonable, Ad. <laughs> yeah. We should ask, though, because, like, 100,000 views and 500-odd followers, and then you go, nah, we've got <laughs> more important shit in life. That's, like, that's pretty, that's a, that's a pretty big following. Oh, it's all right. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> he had some interesting guests, though, like David Tour and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ask about that. Hell yeah, what it was like interviewing someone that said, oh, for awesome. I mean, that's like... I ain't fucking never seen never said that. You are, Terry? You never said that. He was referencing a... Um, he knows how to spell awesome. He was referencing a rugby league player whose name I forget. Olsen. That was it. <clears throat> oh, for Olsen. <laughs> yeah, there was mad articles about that recently, how he didn't actually say it or whatnot. Yeah, and then people still don't believe him. And now people have been examining his lips to say, this is actually better. This is actually a really good discussion point in the interview, actually. We could take a poll on the three of us who actually thought he said, oh, for awesome. And who said, <laughs> said oh, for awesome. <laughs> no, honestly, having talked to him, I think he's like a super legit, honest dude. Like, if he said it, he would admit yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not to, like, he's I not going to come back and say that for no reason, I think. I, 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 I know him a little bit. Me. And, uh, yeah, I used to live around the corner from his gym. Oh, does he? And he's uh, got mutual friends with him. He's definitely oh. no way. Well, yeah, I don't think about that. It's not even bad. Like it's not anything serious. But it's a good meme. <laughs> yeah, and he would definitely. The thing is, he would admit it if he had said it because he would see the funny side. Damn, you guys' audio is pretty good, eh? What kind of setup do you guys have? Like Matt's audio sounds good. To be honest, I'm just using the that's what's built in mic today. I do have a Blue Yeti mic, but I'm not using it. Because okay. it's sometimes more trouble than it's yeah. worth. I got um, I got this mic here that I used for podcast before that set up. So, oh yeah, yeah, cool. I heard that David Tour's gym was called J for Jim. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually mildly amusing, and um, definitely when you're doing the quiz in on a hangover, you should definitely do that joke. J for Jim. <laughs> do you guys have questions about David Tour in your quiz? <laughs> what kind of quiz is that? No, but when we when we slip a joke in, well, it's the kind of thing we should have in the quiz, really. 
Right, welcome to the Podcrastinator Season 2, Episode 15, for your benefit, Matt, seeing as you forgot the one <laughs> last week. This week, we are joined by a stand-up comedian that's been climbing the comedy ladder at a rapid rate. He's genuinely one of the nicest and funniest guys on the Auckland comedy scene, which I personally had the pleasure of being at his first ever gig at the Classic. He has a big Instagram following called At Tax Law, which when I Google searched that gave me a whole links to tax lawyers, but which I'm pretty sure is not. But as of today, we'll welcome to the show the real tax law. It is Taco Law. Taco Law. Hello, hello, people. Welcome. And is there, are you basically a tax lawyer? <laughs> no, I'm not a tax lawyer. Just because I'm Asian doesn't mean I do law or am a doctor or anything like that. Right? <laughs> and not to do with tax. <laughs> it was more of a name. It was more the name that led me to wonder yeah. whether you actually have capitalised on that. And I genuinely, yeah. whilst researching for this show, did put in tax law, and it genuinely gave me a screen of tax lawyers. That's good. Yeah, that's that's my goal to get above the rankings for tax law. <laughs> <laughs> that's my only competition. I got no human beings to compete with; just legislation. And it just shows how much I didn't read the notes before I came on because I was meant to say that you're our sexiest guest yet. I'm so sorry about that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who put that in there? <laughs> I don't me. know. I put it in there. It's fine. Oh, is, so, is this, <laughs> is this a Father's that. Day special? Are you, a, are you a father, Tax? No, I'm not a father. I'm not a father. No. Not yet. Are I you am. a father, Darren? I am indeed. I am. And how's and your father? Was- day been my father's day um has been okay it's been very quiet because actually can't go anywhere or do anything so i've managed to squeeze out one five kilometer walk and that's probably been the sum total of my father's day nice nice oh bacon sandwiches as well so that's been a bit of that have you um is your father have you managed to celebrate father's day with your father taco uh yeah yeah we um had some lunch this is pretty pretty oh, massive cool. highlight there you know cool do you need to get into trouble like i did for organizing a podcast on father's day then <laughs> no no <laughs> oh. and this isn't father, this, of course this isn't father's day in the uk which is where my father is so i don't have to do anything no so you're okay aren't you you're mm-hmm. pretty okay yeah so so taco welcome to the show thank you for joining us on this father's day special we are currently in level four lockdown so what have you been doing to keep yourself amused the last three weeks amused okay okay i've been listening to a lot of podcasts to be honest i'm trying to get my exercise routine going strong again and um, i've been getting to some sun exposure <laughs> it's kind of random but if you're listening to this and you're like finding it hard to sleep or you don't have like the best sleep quality um try like exposing yourself to the sun for like 10 minutes like just in the sun like without your shirt on maybe if you're a chick not fully <laughs> exposed but that fully helps your sleep like i'm not even kidding um i haven't like been having the best like sleep routine but doing that has helped me a lot so give that a go give that a go i feel like darren needs to give that a go i feel like he's probably uh just let his sleep routine go crazy <laughs> I have no sleep routine. <laughs> you a vampire? I thought you were trying to say that I should give it a go because I'm so pasty and white. <laughs> now, if you give it a go, it'll reflect onto all your neighbours and stuff and it'll be like a diamond, you know, shining all angles. You can, um, 
you can reflect that to other people. I would not want to expose my body to my neighbours. <laughs> I wouldn't dare do that to them. I must admit, if I take my T-shirt off at the beach, it's extremely disturbing for everyone. <laughs> but I do get baby seals coming up to me. Why baby seals in particular? I think they think I'm their mother. I'm not sure. But... <laughs> Save that for Mother's Day. I was going to say, you're not trying to say that you have baby seals on, on your teat on the beach, do you, Matt? Well, I get away in time because I don't want to let that happen because it might actually be more enjoyable than it should be. <laughs> oh. so best, to, uh, best to avoid that kind of embarrassing situation. That's a decent explanation for why you turn up back at your with your flatmate smelling of fish. Yes. <laughs> smelling of fish. My fingers often smell of fish, actually, because I've got a lot of, thanks to lockdown, I've got a lot of fish in the freezer. Oh. And you know when you like it freezes into a lump and you have to like break it apart and then you. Is that, that coming for it. something else, Matt? Sorry. <laughs> oh. I think it's a euphemism. <laughs> it is. It is a euphemism, actually. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, this has got off to a good start. <laughs> I know. God, where was I? I um, I, I drank quite a lot of beer last night and got a little bit stoned as well. So I've no idea what we're doing. Oh. Today. What crime did you commit? Why are people stoning you? <laughs> Drug use. He, uh, he commits a lot of crimes, Teco. Oh, okay. Confession episode. Crimes to comedy. Crime, yeah, there's, there's lots of them. That's true. Mainly crimes against comedy, yeah. Um, he, he kills too many rooms, too many open mics. He's killing them. <laughs> He's killing them. I do, but I die, I die more often. <laughs> yeah, and I've when you say you bomb, like that's a bad thing, right? If you bombed, no, it means you're blowing up. Well, that's the thing, right? That's confusing. <laughs> to but I generally think if people say you've bombed or you're blowing up, they're two different things in the comedy world. Yes. Yeah. Taco Taco never has to worry about bombing. <laughs> get out! Get out! It's true. Not, not when I've seen him. That's very. No, true. that's right. Absolutely. So, Taco, do you want to give us a little bit about yourself and your background and all that sort of stuff? My background, okay, okay. So, I was born in New Zealand. I'm a Kiwi Cantonese young man, <laughs> and um, yeah, that's that's about the start of me. But um, I remember the first time I ever got a laugh was actually in class. Um, I was just sitting there, and I popped this like little fart. <laughs> It was intentional that it wasn't like just that came up and I thought it'd be funny just to see what would happen. And the teacher started cracking up and like the whole class started cracking up. I was like, what the hell? Like, this is pretty hectic. Like people, um, people are having fun, you know, like, um, yeah. So I did that. <laughs> That's pretty much my first ever gag. Um, but growing up, I was always like a real cheeky dude, like just talking crap and like always cracking jokes. And that kind of got me, um, places like i'd end up hanging out with older kids because they thought i was like this funny little like cheeky asian dude so they invite me to parties and stuff and yeah i got amongst like all like the cool kids you know that were doing drugs and whatnot and like partying but i've always been pretty chill like i didn't <laughs> dabble in the old drugs and whatnot even though there was like mad peer pressure to do so and um yeah from there i actually started going to church like got a few years later just switched up um entirely and started going to church and left all those friends and that sort of stuff behind. But yeah, I like fitness. Um, 
I like MMA. I'm a big MMA fan. I like to watch the UFC. And um, I did a 50K ultra marathon last year in February. Wow. So, wow. That's like a bit of time, yeah. Me and Matt wouldn't even drive that far. Yeah. Do you know the crazy thing about that 50K is um, I had planned to do it and then I got injured. So before that, um, leading up to the race, I literally walked around the block maybe five times, two kilometers. Like that was like the extent of my training because I literally couldn't like walk very far. And I was like, should I do this or not? Like I've never been close to quitting something and like bailing until that point. And then I ended up um, going anyway because I was like, if I try this and I do it, it'll be pretty amazing. If I fail, nothing's going to happen. Like I'm already injured. You know what I mean? And was the was the church thing a phase thing, or are you still pretty close to the church now? I feel like your question is: Are you still close to Jesus? Now? <laughs> <laughs> um, He's close to all of us. Yeah, I still go to church. Yeah, I still go to church. I wasn't like a phase. It's been like maybe ten years. Cool. And were you was was that a part sort of part way through your life? That wasn't something your parents introduced you to at like five and then you've been going if this was something you consciously did yourself i feel like what you're saying is did you get a brainwash did you get a (laughs) (laughs) definitely not like i started going to church i started going to church when i was like maybe i think like 14 14, 15 so like i'd experienced like you know a bit about life you know like i said i was like quite early on i was like doing all the stupid stuff and like not obviously a whole lot like a 14 year old doesn't know that much but I learned a few things about life and I was like, oh, yeah, um, you know, this is the way I'm going to go. And I think it, it was definitely for the better. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think the reason why I was interested is because that, that happened to me. So that's why I was just interested to see if you went through a similar type of thing. Yeah. Well, so you were like in your, your later teens and you started going to church. When did I start? Are you Catholic or are you Christian? Yeah, well, actually, controversially, I was born Church of England and converted to Catholic, which was a pretty controversial thing to do in the UK in the the late 80s, early 90s, because there was a lot of anti-sentiment feeling between the two religions. So, um, yeah, my grandma actually didn't speak to me for about a month. She was so mad that uh, that I converted to Catholic. And um, yeah, what, what age would I have been? My God, was it because it reduced your prospects your of marrying? Your God, My was it God. because it re- was your? Hang on, was your grand? So I'm curious here. Was your grand pissed off because it reduced your chances of marrying the Queen, <laughs> or marrying into the royal family? That's right. Because yeah. they're, no, uh, they're still not mad. allowed to marry Catholics. No, that's right. She was mad because she's a staunch Church of England Protestant. And um, when I actually had my Catholic conversion, this is actually Taco's show, not mine. But um, when we had, um, when I actually went for my Catholic conversion, as in my mass for convert, you know, for being accepted into the church, none of my family came. None, uh, zero. No. Well, at least you're doing what you wanted to do. You know that for sure. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's you so, weren't uh, brainwashed into it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty interesting. That's, that's why I was interested to see whether you went on a similar type of journey or how yours yeah. came about. Yeah, so. no, it's definitely um, on my own accord. Like, my parents never, ever um, pushed or mentioned any religion or anything like that, really. It was my own journey and own discovery from friends and 
Greenwich Hotel. And were you born in Auckland or were you born somewhere else in New Zealand? No, I was born in the absolute best city in New Zealand, uh, which is Hamilton. Mm. Um, I see you raising that Coke Zero, Darren. Were you going to drink to that? I was. I was going to drink to Hamilton. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the Coke Zero as well because they are sponsoring this episode. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by a co-sponsorship of Coke Zero and Hamilton City Council. Yeah, the podcast notice is brought to you by Coke Zero listeners. And um, so, um, so what what age did you move to Auckland then? What age did I move to Auckland? I think I was about five, six. It was my first, um, six, I think, actually, yeah, I started school. Nice. And did you move here by yourself or with your family? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I packed my bags and it's like, you know those um, you know those cartoons where they have like a little stick and like a little little bag of like, oh, dudes yeah, behind them? Yeah, that's what happened. I put that little stick on my back and I was like, I'm out of here, boys. Like, <laughs> I've heard things about Hamilton. I'm out of here. <laughs> no, I moved my family. That guy was the modern day Dick Whittington. <laughs> Who the hell is Dick Whittington? <laughs> that's a very British reference. It is a very no one reference. no one who listens to the show will get what that reference is like. Yeah, no, but well, if it makes people go and Google Dick Whittington, then we've educated nah, Don't Google that guy, guys. Don't give him <laughs> yeah, the You've got to be careful. Use the, um, definitely use a VPN when you Google it. It comes up with Hey, Dick, Dick Whittington has not been cancelled yet, I'll have you know. How dare you? <laughs> no, there's a series of porn films. Dick Whittington. I am. I should. I I feel like I almost. We should be educating people on English folklore. No, uh, we're moving on. (laughs) So, tell us, how did you get into? uh, How did you get into stand-up comedy? Uh, So, what happened is, how long have I been doing it? Did you say? Yeah, the two questions. Okay. So, uh, my mate and I, we were making a whole lot of content. um, This is Trey, and I was like, oh, we should do things that are like uncomfortable and challenging. So I literally Googled like comedy Auckland just to go see a show because I thought it'd be interesting. And then uh, the classic came up for a Raw night. And then I went to that Raw. I was sitting near the front and the MC was doing a great job. Um, I don't know if they want me to mention it. So I always say their name, but um, they were doing a great job. And then um, obviously, you know, you'll eventually, they'll eventually ask someone like, you know, where are you from or how do you know each other? So um, they asked, so how do you know each other to my mate and I? And I was like boxing. And then they looked back at me and they were like, is it Thai boxing? <laughs> and then I looked at them and I was like, why does it have to be Thai boxing? And the whole room like just laughed. I was like, whoa, like that's what a, a laugh is like. Like now I can see why like, um, you know, comedians like to do this sort of thing. It's like completely different to obviously when you get a laugh, when you're just cracking jokes with a friend. But there was this other guy there, this dude called Jake. I actually haven't seen him around too much in the scene after that, but he was like pointing at me. I didn't know he was called Jake until I met him after, but he was like, bro, you should go up there. You should go up there. And I kind of thought like after watching a few um, people do this, it's like, oh, I could give this a go and could go all right. And then two weeks later, I emailed Scott and then two weeks later, I did my first, um, set and it was raw part of the heats but i didn't even know what the heats were i was like what there's a competition like what is this <laughs> and um, darren was there at my first gig darren was there 
I remember, I remember this dude looking kind of corporate and like clean cut with his jumper on. I was like, damn, okay, who's this? Who's this fella? He looks like he's been around. <laughs> Is that a reference that was- to my age or my sexual? <laughs> everything i think you're just the all-round eclectic guy that's just been all over the town all over the show done it all yeah well, if only you knew at the time <laughs> yeah. and um i've been doing stand up for i would say almost a year now but the thing is there was lockdowns you know that have happened last year there's been lockdowns that have happened this year so i think if you were to add up the actual time it wouldn't quite be a year yet but around there yeah so how did you oh. feel after your first gig how did i feel feel honestly i like in my head because um i wrote you know my set in two weeks and then i was like just thinking about it all the time like practicing again and again and i kind of visioned that it would be like a really uh, like amazing moment to to perform the set and whatnot and i think it kind of even exceeded what i expected it would be like like it was just amazing to be able to share like something that i've created that i think is funny and then people are engaged and laughing. And then after, um, I mean, this happens sometimes, but like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, you're really good after and all this stuff. I think even you said to me like, oh, yeah, that was, that was really, that was pretty good for a first time. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> like these people actually think I'm, um, um, I'm all right. Like, cause I didn't expect that. You know what I mean? I'm not walking around thinking like, oh, you know, everyone's gonna say that I'm the man. <laughs> like, and I was like, oh, wow. Like maybe I'm okay at this, you know, like, yeah. Oh, and you can tell us, I'll edit it out, I promise. Who was the MC who uh, asked about the Thai boxing? <laughs> You'll edit it out. No, um, it was um, it was Hannah Campbell. She was, yeah. was MC. I don't think she'd be too stressed about this and that. But yeah, I've, I've, I actually was on a gig with her um, at the best spot. And um, yeah, I mentioned that to her. And she was like, oh, that's pretty funny. What not? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, you're still doing stand-up. Oh, cool. so was, um, was stand-up your first kind of uh, foray into the entertainment industry? No, I started my career in entertainment with a massive big bang um, as, a, as a play character in a school play. Oh, I had cool. no lines. And I think the highlight of it was um, the person didn't even do my makeup properly and this teacher like freaking spat on a finger and like kind of rubbed this stuff off my face. That's my only oh. memory. Of that. Yeah. And um other than that, I've done some MCing at church. Like I used to be quite involved with the youth group at church. So I'd MC, you know, like you can host like random games and like just talk smack and like <laughs> introduce people and whatnot. I saw a performer recently, um, Bubba, who's from South Auckland, and she um I think she must have grown up in the church because like she used like these kind of church youth group like icebreaker activities and things like that at the start of a set to get the audience warmed up and it was a really kind of uh, it was quite it kind of really worked people really bought into it yeah. even though half the people there had probably never been to it any kind of church thing what before. was that the best icebreaker she had she did the um oh god i can't remember now i think we had to, i think you had to go over and talk to someone with the same color top on just it was like silly things um and we did a, she made the audience do a game as well. Oh, so they were engaging among themselves. like the Yeah, activities. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Damn, we, that sounds like some good stuff to use. Yeah. If you're a comedian listening to this, <laughs> Yeah, still, still Bubba's ideas. That's right. I know. You're, the, you're the one who put them out there, Matt. Blame yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and people that use 
hey, audience, why don't you go and choose something with the same colour as someone else is no good for me being colourblind whatsoever. No, that's right. It is uh, it's exclusionary. Um, I actually did that in well, my We're going down that route. She was we're just going that route. She's just trying on. to do something good. Early on. Hey, then, I, like, um, you, you joke about that, but I did that years ago for a work exercise um, back in the UK, and somebody came up and told me off because it was ex- excluding colorblind people. And I was like, oh, fuck off. You could look for the shapes as well or something like that. It's like... <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not changing talk it now. To someone, talk to someone who's the same shape as you. That would be a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Skin color as you. Yeah, that would go down really well. Yeah. <laughs> the same shape as you. <laughs> You'll talk to someone with the same level of um of body fat as you don't you? Do you know when you go for an interview and you give you that they give you those tests to do? Like, oh, what comes next in the sequence and with all of this. When I did one once, it had one where the sequences were in colours. So I actually rang up, told them I was colorblind, and actually got out of having to do the tests. Did they give you the job? Um, I can't remember even what it was. It was years ago now because they haven't used colours in those things. Hopefully it wasn't as a train driver. No, that's right. I actually was in Army Cadets and couldn't go any further because of being colourblind and once applied for a job with a fire brigade and couldn't get in because of being colourblind. And that was in the days when the advert actually said colourblind people need not apply. Get away with that now. I'm pretty sure that train drivers, they still say for colourblind, you can't. there's no point applying. Hmm. But when you, you apply get, like, to corrective going... glasses and stuff these days, like there's ways around it. Like, there's technology mm. to help you. It's right. a good point. If, if anybody wants to buy me a pair of those glasses, I'm more than happy to try them yeah. out. Get a sponsor for podcasting. Yeah, Everybody's corrective book. glasses. If Coke Zero want to buy me a set of glasses, then I, I will definitely be interested in sponsoring both Coke Zero and Colorblind glasses. <laughs> Is that the way it works? I'm not sure. Yeah, guys, if you guys want to know something about Darren, is he's really healthy because he's drinking Coke Zero, guys. He takes his health very seriously. Absolutely. No vodka in it at the moment, anyway. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, obviously, you're on our podcast, but you've actually done a podcast of your own in the past. Tell us about that. Yeah, Trey and I, we started making like all sorts of YouTube content on like videos. Um, that's still out there if you search up Rice Coconut Life on YouTube. But we did a podcast with David Tua, which was pretty amazing. Like as a first guest, um, mm. yeah, it was really amazing. And it was a really good podcast. If you guys want to check that out, it's on Rice Coconut Life on most platforms. But yeah, after that, we we did a little bit more content and then we decided to discontinue the podcast. And why was that? Why was that? So Trey started doing real estate. And then I started focusing more on stand-up and just work and, and life in general. Yeah, they are pretty time-consuming, aren't they, Darren? Just a little bit. But we love them because we love all of our guests. Oh. We love them in the, in the sort of comedy love, not the bad love type stuff. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't even thinking that at all, Darren. What, I feel like Darren, you're thinking about the wrong stuff, and then you're trying to, you're trying to cover up, you're trying to yeah. dig a hole that is non-existent. I, I like digging holes and getting in them and burying myself in them. You like the trenches. You like to be in the trenches. Absolutely, literally buried in them. So 
So are you tra- you and Trey got any plans to ever get back together and do more stuff or? Um, not at the moment, to be honest. Is he still doing real estate? Yeah, he's doing real estate. I think he's doing quite well. Like, if you guys yeah. need a real estate agent, search him up. Nah, cool. I'm just um, looking at your uh, YouTube channel and it just makes me wonder whether maybe the fewer videos you put out or the fewer podcasts you put out, the more followers you get. And maybe, Darren, no, no. we should like take a break for three months and see whether that actually increases our number of <laughs> no, I think the main takeaway, if you guys are into making content or for you guys, is if you get like quite a prominent guest and you clip it like we did and you put it out there, like all of the views on that channel, which is like I think about 110 k views, is from that one episode and we clipped it and made some video content. So if you guys get like someone who's quite prominent and you clip it, and yeah, you can get quite a lot of views and then your subs will go up. That's the main lesson that I learned from that. Mm. We've, we've never done video content, have we? No, because it's too hard. No, no video content that you want to post, right, Darren? No. <laughs> well, that's it. We, we do actually, I mean, we're videoing this now, but we never actually use the videos for anything. But maybe we should. It's just uh, it's just that the time it takes to edit that as well and put it out is quite, is an extra thing. Yeah, as well as edit the show and all of that sort of stuff as well. Yes. Which does cool. take a lot of editing, all the awkward silences we have. Yeah, I feel like this is some inside baseball kind of conversation. <laughs> so when you were doing stand-up comedy or when you were thinking of doing stand-up comedy, did you have any particular comedy inspirations or people you were watching that was like, one day I'm going to be like you? One of the main things actually is like once I signed up, I was like looking at different comedians and stuff. I mean, I looked at a bit of stuff before, but I found Bill Burr was pretty interesting um, for his story. Like some of the stuff he says, like um, he's got some really inspiring stuff. Like there's this clip that I used to listen to where he talks about how if you follow your dreams and you, and you chase it, you can never lose, like no matter what, even if it doesn't go exactly where you want it to go, something will come from that, something will come from that and build into something else. And um, there's another clip that I really like that he put together, which he's talking about. Um, you could wake up on like a, a is it a, called a futon? So yeah. Type of, yeah, yeah. He's like, you could wake up on a futon and be like 30 something like he was and, you know, struggling and trying to make it. Or you could wake up, you know, in a king bed, like doing a job you don't like next to a woman you don't love. Like obviously those aren't exact like paths that people take, but um, I mean, it's a pretty interesting contrast. And yeah, I found that quite inspiring to be honest, listening to that at the time. Um, but there's a few other comments that I like. Like I went and saw Ronnie Ching was he, when he was around. I don't know if you guys went and checked him out or have you seen much of his stuff. Definitely seen his stuff on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, it's amazing to see like another little Asian dude like doing well in entertainment and comedy. Like you don't see, I mean, there's not a whole lot of um, Asian people in entertainment that are at that peak sort of level. Um, you know, <laughs> whenever people say something, they're usually like, "Oh, like Jackie Chan or like Jeremy or like <laughs> Jeremy Lin or someone." Like there was a dude at a gig, and he's like, "You look like Jeremy Lin." Bro, I'm freaking five six. That dude's like six something. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? But um, yeah, it, he Ronnie Chang's definitely really cool. Uh, it was amazing to see him 
do his thing live. Aaron Chen is pretty dope. Like, I've seen his clips, like, and I don't watch a whole lot of stand-up, but he's pretty amazing there. That he's from Australia, and his stories and the way he puts jokes together, his whole, like, delivery is, is really cool. I don't know if you guys will know who he is, but if you haven't checked no, out... No, I haven't come across him at all. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'd recommend checking him out. And um, a lot of people say it, but I like Dave Chappelle. Like, I just love how flowy and seamless everything he does is. Like, his stories, everything is just so smooth. And then there's the punchline, you know? It's just, yeah. He's amazing. Like, he's, he's obviously on, like, an, another level. You watch his stuff. Cool. We'll share some links to some of these people in the show notes. So, listeners, go and check it out. Are you actually going to share the link, though? I feel like it's awkward when someone's like, I'm going to put this in the notes and they never, I'm not saying you aren't. I always put, nearly always put the links in the notes. If I don't, I just say, here's the words we said, go and Google it yourself. Okay, massive shout out for Matt for putting the work in and keeping yourself honest and accountable. (laughs) (laughs) This is the only place I do that. Like this podcast, that you listen to it and then they're like, um, in the notes and there are no notes there is no I, link I know there's there's one particular Kiwi podcast actually um, that I won't mention which is co-presented by a friend of this friend of this podcast very well known highly rated podcast where they often do that they say oh we'll put it in the show notes and you go to the show notes there's nothing <laughs> yeah he's gonna break the cycle Matt's gonna break the cycle guys I'm straight that's right. is don't actually procrastinate. Oh, we definitely do. That's why the episodes, I can never guarantee the episodes are going to come out when I say it will. <laughs> okay. okay, guys. I was just trying to help this guy out and he's just um, he's just cutting himself down, guys. It's not my fault. Well, no, it's, it's that honesty and accountability he talks about. We take that seriously. Okay, I like that. I like that. That's, that's, that's so um, you've been doing comedy for over a year, you say. Where's sort of your favourite locations, bars, clubs that you've actually done comedy? Bars, clubs. I really liked Zach's um, when that was still going. Like, mm. there's a cool room, good fun place to hang out, and there was quite a lot of, like, I think that was quite early on. Obviously, I'm still trying to figure out a lot of things. Like, I don't feel like I know much, but that was, like, really early days when I was, like, still running my first, like, set that I was doing and trying to figure things out and, like, adding jokes here and there and trying things and that was really cool but this isn't so much a location but it's not a bad location but I really like um Red Bar Zara. I remember there's this time where I did a set there and everything hit like I don't think I've done too many gigs like that like there's gigs that go wow and then like everything literally hit one after another and I was like whoa like that's amazing but yeah. <laughs> you gotta keep working to get that again Red, Red Bar is a great place to go, but a shout out to Red Bar, especially if you're interested in drum and bass yeah. um, and you want to go there late on a Friday or Saturday. But as far as comedy gigs go, I think it's a good good venue for the audience, but a, a difficult venue for the performers just because of the layout. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. Shout out to Matt running the gig. Yes. It's, a, it's an interesting, the Zach's Bar, Red Bar, they're quite intimate and small venues as well, aren't they? You know, they're both quite tight venues, mm. uh, which, which which is good as well. There's nothing worse than vacuous rooms of like heaps of space and very little people. Those are the worst gigs I find. <laughs> yeah, gigs at Red Bar always feel well attended. Yes, they do. Even if they're not. Rhombus is another one. That's quite a small room. 
um, you know, 30, 35 people. So when you get 10, 15, 20, 25 people, it feels really packed. Yes. Yo, this, so, is the Matt, this is the Matt Coog and AJ Giggs. <laughs> Shout out. Uh, Rhombus and Howick, if you guys are going, if you guys are around, go there. Rhombus Red Bar. Red Bar. You're right, and um, I think it's fair to say the other sponsor of this episode he doesn't know yet is Matt Coog. <laughs> yeah. It's Father's Day. Day. It's Father's Day. Shout out to um, shout out to Matt's dad, Daniel Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the people knocking. Do you know what? More people will know about Dick Whittington than Daniel Lee. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's um, that's Darren's secret name, Daniel Lee. That was so funny that night. We're going Go to tell people what it was now. Tack, Tack, you could tell the story if you want to. We were just at a, a gig, a good gig. And then um, our man here, Darren, was introduced as Daniel Lee multiple times. <laughs> but he just embraced it, you know, because, um, yeah, Darren's, Darren's an adaptable, cosmopolitan young man. So he just rolled with it. It was really funny because they, they wrote my name down as Daniel Lee. And before I went on, I said, that's not my name. And they were like, oh, really sorry. What is it? I said, it's Darren. And then they went up and introduced me as Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> so they got my name wrong about three times. So that's how memorable I am. And well, Now you know how people with exotic names feel. But so when I signed off at the end, I was like, thanks for listening. My name's been Daryl Daniel, Darren Lee's. <laughs> That was that was a crazy night out at the west of Auckland. So cool. Good story. It was a good story. Might, it was a good night. Might, might leave that one in. <laughs> so hopefully um that's not your best story from stand-up. <clears throat> but do you have one? What has been your best experience so far? Best experience? What are you meaning like like best as in like Funniest, funniest. Uh, yes, it might be your worst experience, or it might be, it might be your best experience, but funniest, I guess. Well, we know his best experience is appearing on this show, but apart from that, Mm. yeah, apart from that, well, there's this gig um, (laughs) that I did. It's in a a bar in a very special continent in the world, (laughs) Bar Africa. Was um, it was a pretty cool gig. but there was like, no audience when the gig first started, like literally mm. no audience. And then like people were kind of not <laughs> like losing interest pretty quickly. But I ended up seeing a mate that I met um, doing like some kickboxing a while ago. And he had some friends who pulled them together. Um, I pulled them together and I was like, oh, do you guys want to come sit, sit here? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And then this gig started going off. And then I started performing. And this dude's mate was like on something like, seriously on something you know people are like oh this guy's on something but they're not actually on anything this guy was like just going mad and um i started and he literally grabbed me and was like right next to me and then i'd say something and he'd like yell into the mic like Woo! <laughs> like, just, <laughs> like but he was at the level where he was like it was funny to see what he was doing and i could still kind of keep him reined in so that was all good and then that that gig just started getting more and more hectic so you actually had your own personal friendly heckler up on stage with you. He's like a hype man, but he only said one thing, which was like, Woo. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, 
Another story is that at Rhombus, actually, I think you, one of you guys might have been there that night, but there was this dude and he was in the car and he was just trolling. Like every time the MC would ask, um, you know, what do you do? You know, people like ask that a lot. What do you do? He would change what he's doing. He's like, oh, I'm a psychologist at first. And he was just like <laughs> a lot of people and people were getting annoyed at him in the crowd. And then he keeps doing this. And then later on, the MCs are, oh, so what do you actually do? And he's like, oh, I'm a gynecologist. And I never use this word, guys. So this is only for the story. <laughs> but um, this lady turns to him and is like, yeah, you're definitely a gynecologist because you're a guy. <laughs> 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 and this dude just got mad, like, like, just mad roasted like he literally like started freezing up and this lady was just loving it and then he started trying to call her karen and all this stuff and then it was real funny because the dude's daughter was there this guy that was like talking mad crap his daughter was in the crowd and then at the end of the gig like near the end uh the mc was like oh do you know what this guy does because he realizes the daughter and then she was like oh he sells mobile phones <laughs> <laughs> And everyone just started cracking up at him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he don't want to admit to that 5G lifestyle. <laughs> but, um, I do love it, though, when the audience talks out hecklers themselves. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Shout out to that lady. Yeah, definitely. Was that his daughter who shouted at him? Said he was... No, no, it wasn't his daughter. It was another lady. <laughs> his daughter didn't say that to him. Damn. I mean, damn. You wouldn't say it to your dad, like. Might be homeless if you say it to your dad after. <laughs> Have you had any weird things happen to you whilst doing stand-up? So this didn't happen to me, but this was at Revelry. And um, there was this, like, out of it, dude. Like, he was on something for sure. And he was he was outside with, like, a champagne bottle. Like, one of those little champagne bottles. But it looked kind of like a nice champagne. Like, I didn't even know what it was. But anyway, this guy uh, walked up to a comedian who's just, like, outside um by the side balustrade like just behind it. it was real weird like it was like he was like serving him or saying he's like oh could you help me open this because the guy was so out of it that he couldn't open his own bottle so the guy pops his bottle for him gives it back to them and this guy is just like starts drinking and whatnot and the gig goes on and then this person who popped the bottle for him goes on is on like stage and this dude walks in with his bottle and is like drinking in the back um, and then this guy starts heckling the dude that popped the bottle for him when he's on <laughs> like full on heckling like to the point where he was like struggling to continue with his set and I was just cracking up like this dude literally just helped you pop your little champagne bottle and you come into the gig and start heckling his ass <laughs> <laughs> that, was, uh, that was really funny that is pretty rough <laughs> yeah i mean damn hecklers don't care y'all no that's right no we don't love hecklers but um tell you what what we are interested in is you actually have a big social media following as we've just talked about your even your um your your um <clears throat> your podcast got over 500 subscribers and 110,000 views and then you personally, I know you love talking about your Instagram account. It's a regular part of your set. 
Um, so do you find that social media helps you get your comedy out there or helps you promote anything? I just want to put this on record, guys. I don't think I have a big social media following. Uh-huh. Like I'm a, I'm a, okay, like like a small, a small fo- like following. But a lot of that's built before I actually did any comedy and stuff. More when I was like making content before. But you're saying, does it help with um getting comedy out? To be honest, I haven't used it a lot to try leverage any comedy stuff. Where you know, like say, oh, I'm doing a show here and there and whatnot, um, and see what will happen. But definitely, like if you think about it, because I think a lot of people don't think about the power and reach of social media. Like if say there's a room of 50 people that you're doing a set to like, cool. If you can make a post and 300 people view it, if you imagine a room full of 300 people, like that's pretty insane. Like to think that yeah, you can get this kind of reach out. There's people, I don't know if you guys watch any live streams or whatever, like Twitch, there's people literally on there that have like, a stadium full of people they got fifty thousand viewers at one time a hundred thousand viewers at one time like yeah i mean you can't do that any other way um that easily you know like to actually arrange an event is pretty pretty difficult but yeah i think also um a lot of people don't think about the fact that it's one of the best ways for you to tell your story like no one else can tell your story like you and you can control your narrative and, and put out what you want out there which is i think pretty powerful for for anything you're doing, whether it's business or comedy or anything like that. So, yeah, I think it's definitely useful. I haven't done a whole lot with it with comedy yet, but, yeah, probably a long, long-ass way to answer the question. No, that's good. I noticed you've got some posts with you with your top off, and I just do wonder whether it goes back. <laughs> maybe me and Darren should do a bit of that as well on our Instagram. Yeah, I maybe have, like, two posts without my top or out of, like... <laughs> Hundreds of posts. Come on, man. What can I say? They were the ones. What are you I trying noticed. to make me look like on here? Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> now you can see the content that Matt shortlists in his search profile. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's just scrolling and he's like, "Oh, I see skin. Love that. Save <laughs> my uh, my search features. history is topless male comics. <laughs> it just auto fills. I write in to, and then the rest just automatically pops up. <laughs> and then it's just posts from Tax and Liam Lonergan. <laughs> oh, Matt Coom. Yeah, no, I don't want to be. I don't want to be next to Liam when he's topless, man. <laughs> he that doesn't do is, topless comedy, but he does do topless social media. Yeah, that dude is um, that dude is one handsome fellow, y'all. <laughs> That's why he appeared on Love Island. Mm. There you go. I think they need to get you on Love Island, there. Do you reckon? Do you reckon my wife would be okay with that? I don't know. It depends how much of a bag you get, how much money you're going to make from it, maybe. And it depends how much she wants to get rid of me as well, I guess. Yeah, have a break from you and you can earn loads of money, potentially. Fuck yeah, you'd want a break from me if you'd been stuck with me for 21 years, wouldn't you? Exactly. Imagine that 21 seasons of the podcast. And how does Matt, how would you feel? Yeah, I can't see that happening. Because by then, <laughs> you would be uh, well into your 70s. I would. I'd be 70 on season 21 of the podcast. And I just, yeah, I don't. <laughs> if yeah, you guys go that long, that's going to be amazing. It would be amazing and <laughs> unlikely. Um, yes. So, do you have. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa, Matt. Come on, Matt. You can't be saying things like that. Do you have. Uh, only because I, I think 
the procrastinators will emerge into something else eventually something bigger than this and uh be like a caterpillar going into a chrysalis and wow wow Wow. it almost feels like you're dropping subliminal hints there everyone oh let's move on (laughs) i'll uh i'll edit this bit out definitely depending oh no depending on where we're at at the time You've already been told by people that you constantly say on podcasts you'll edit stuff out and never do. That's the best part about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we only have a hint at things that we're not going to do. So do That's you, right. um, talking of um, other social media, so are you on TikTok and Twitch and things like that? I'm not on Twitch. Uh, I've watched quite a bit of Twitch. Like last lockdown, I was tuning into a lot of streams and stuff. I mean, I'd like to definitely give that a crack. I'm not on TikTok. Um, Really, I've posted that maybe one or two TikToks, but I don't really go on TikTok much. But I think there's definitely opportunity there. Mm. Yeah, it feels like the new YouTube, really. Like a few years ago, is you can go on and get do YouTube videos with millions of views, and you still can. But it feels like TikToks are that kind of the newer, even easier to use kind of thing. Yeah. People well, the are- thing with TikTok is that, um, you know, Instagram, you post something, it only gets shown to your viewers, and you kind of need to draw them to your content. And if they like it, they'll engage. Whereas TikTok pushes your content to people. And if they engage, it pushes them to more people. So like, if you're trying to grow, obviously that is what you want. You want to be thrown to millions of people and then um, they'll hopefully engage and like your content and then it'll go from there. So yeah, definitely seems to be a good tool. Do you have a TikTok account, Matt? I do, actually. Um for work purposes but i've i've literally engaged with it twice for and work purposes yes. yeah man. My day Yo, what kind of work tiktoks are you posting for a trade union <laughs> well this is the thing right so we can do videos of um we can do videos that explain your rights at work and it's pretty it's really cool for stuff like that but it does make me feel old engaging with it like it's definitely TikTok and Twitch are the first two, and Snapchat, I guess, are the kind of three forms of social media that make me feel old. Yeah, but it's not about age, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, I feel like it's just people's willingness to use it. Like, even though there's more users that are predominantly younger, doesn't mean it's, you know, just for them or whatnot, you know? It's like... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I do think we should stream uh, stream this on Twitch, on TikTok, actually, as we're recording it. TikTok. Twitch, Twitch would be good. Like, there's a lot of podcasts that go live, then you can engage and build. Like, it's a really amazing thing that you can connect with people because you can actually dialogue. Yeah, Twitch, Twitch is pretty good. I think because all you need to do is put like some sort of screen recorder on, and then you can um, feed it into your live stream on Twitch. You know, it's not. I don't think it's too labor intensive. Besides, no, like, no, I've already looked at how you can do a Zoom onto Twitch. It's really easy. Yeah, we could totally do that. Yo. I'm coming back for when you guys are on Twitch now. Man, thank you for your um... tap notes. Like, I'm going to be your first guest on Twitch. Well, as, our social, as, a, as our social media consultant, our official social media consultant, I feel like we would owe you that. <laughs> if, we, <laughs> if we get on there and we actually get a serious number of followers, we'll bring you back. Definitely. So, um, when you're uh, writing your jokes, how, what's your kind of process? Like into from getting like the idea to, to writing it down to developing it into something. Yeah. So usually how I've done all my jokes really is I'll get an idea like it was just dropping into my head. Like, you know, when you're I don't know if this is the same for you guys, but 
it'll drop into my head and then I'll write that idea down and it's like rawest form or like how I think that might be funny. And then I'll take that idea later and expand it, um, work on it, try to refine it. And then I'll turn it into like a bit of a setup and a punchline. So it's actually a joke. Like it's actually building towards something and then it's a punchline. And that's pretty, that's pretty much what I do. Yeah. And what's the, what's the most important lesson that you've ever learned in comedy that you could give somebody else? Most important lesson. Honestly, I feel like what I've learned is you've got to you've got to do jokes that you really believe in and buy into. Like, if you don't buy into it and believe it and enjoy it and love it, then it's really hard for an audience to like. My jokes that I would say hit the best are ones that have like a story behind it for me personally, and then I've built it into something that other people can understand. And then when that comes together, I think that it creates like a great joke that um, you can really enjoy delivering and people really enjoy um, listening to. And yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think people, when it's authentic, you know, it doesn't have to be tr entirely true, but it feels like it's, it's kind of true to your experience. People seem to like that and they seem to know, they seem to be able to tell when comics are just make, purely making stuff up and when they're actually doing stuff that's spun off from real experiences and events. I think uh, that point is where you just made, Taco, about committing to the joke. I think audiences can pick up when someone's super nervous on stage and it doesn't turn the audience against the person, but I think it makes the audience nervous as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but I think you also got to just try the things that you want to try. Like, you just got to do that, you know? Like, that's the whole point of doing stand-up, I think, is you get to share your unique point of view or what you think is uniquely funny. And sometimes that might not work, but when it does, it's it creates, like what you're saying, something that's authentic and original. Yeah. So the over the over the two seasons that we've been doing the podcast, we we talk to people a lot about the community, the comedy community being a safe place for women, people of colour, um, you know, people uh, gender diverse and stuff like that. How, how do you feel about the comedy community? Do you feel it's a safe place? Have you ever come up against any issues? hold up i actually remember saying that i wanted to say about that previous question because um i remember my first gig i asked you for a piece of advice i was like darren you know what do you um what are your thoughts on it this or that i think it was about like joke writing or like how can i improve and you said something that's really relevant and i think you see some people do it and you see some people don't but it's taking away all the bits of the joke that are unnecessary all the words that aren't relevant to actually building up and making that joke what it is and I think that that is like a a really powerful way of like building something that you either improve what you've already made or you figure out exactly why like it's funny it's amazing oh no me with yeah. useful advice that I stole from someone else how about that you're, yeah. the, you're the first guest on here to say that a, a person who gave you useful advice it's called Darren Lee Oh, I don't even know if his, any of his daughters would say that. 
Oh, damn, we get into family. We get into the family. Now. It's okay. I thought it was Father's Day, Matt. I thought it was Father's Day. <laughs> it's okay oh. when, when tacos help me become a global Twitch star, then fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I don't even have like any followers on Twitch, man. We're going to be on the come up together. I suspect I'm going to pick up Twitch before you do, Darren. I actually think it sounds like you will, Matt. But I'll definitely tune in into that chat and um, engage on that Twitch. That'd be sick. Okay, back to your question, though. Could you just refresh the question real quick? Yeah, so for the last couple of seasons, we've talked to people about, obviously, the comedy community, and a lot of people have raised with us that not all the time people feel safe or they've come up against, you know, some unnecessary comments about their race, sex, gender, um, all of that sort of stuff, um, sexuality. Have you ever experienced anything like that in the comedy community? I mean, something that I would say, actually, I didn't think of this before, is <clears throat> there are definitely people that, for some reason or another, they're real comfortable saying, like, some more out-of-pocket stuff towards, like, <laughs> Asian people. Like, they think it's, like, pretty light and whatnot, which, in a way, to be honest, I'd say it's not the heaviest stuff or whatever, but I think that that is, like, a little bit of a problem culture-wise. In general, this is not even just in comedy, where people find it acceptable to make, certain like types of comments because i feel like i don't think those comments are that bad i don't get offended or whatever but the willingness and ease of people saying certain things like that casually mean that it's easier for them to say even more outrageous stuff you know on certain occasions and i feel like that builds like a a foundation of what they think is acceptable and what their friends and and family think is acceptable you know what i mean is it kind of like asian stereotypical type stuff or so, sort of, or like Asian-related jokes. Yeah. Not not always stereotypes, to be honest. Right. But, yeah, I think that, you know, personally, I haven't felt um, too unsafe, to be honest. Like, something that I've appreciated, and shout out to the people that have done this. I've been in certain situations where people say something that's a bit out of pocket and, like, just not appropriate and, and really racist, to be honest, like, and someone will call them out pretty quickly, like straight up, like say, oh, you know, that's not all good, which is cool. Um, in terms of women, though, and like their safety, honestly, obviously, I can't really comment too much on that. I don't know. I don't have that personal experience and understanding. But I think something that I did think about when you mentioned that is, you know, there's a lot of, I think, in general, people talk about, you know, oh, we should do this to make it safer for them or this and that, you know, we want to do this to make it safer for, for women. But I think the problem that we don't think about and we don't talk about much as much is the fact that, you know, it's the culture as us as dudes, like you can protect women as much as you want and like put these different things in place. But if you've got a bad culture where, you know, dudes think it's acceptable to do certain things or it's like the whole thing where, um, you know, dudes are like, oh, you know, she's dressed a certain way. You know, yeah. that's provoking them. Like, that's absolutely stupid. That's like saying, like, me walking on the street and someone saying, like, a racist Asian comment towards me and being like, well, the reason I said that is because you're Asian. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like, what the hell? Like, yo, it's not the woman's fault, you know, if you're doing stupid stuff and you try to blame them. Like, we need to to look at the culture of, like, men and you know what we think is acceptable and what people are taught 
uh, growing up because I think that feeds all into these problems later on and whatnot. You know what I mean? Mm. Definitely. I think that's what's led to a lot of specific gigs probably being arranged, sort of gender-specific gigs or race-specific gigs or LGBTQI plus gigs being arranged is people have just gone, this isn't getting sorted out, so we're going to find our own safe space. I'm not sure, 100% sure if it's always a safe space, like that's their goal, but I think that there's nothing wrong with those gigs, like where individual groups um, and people identify um, as whatever they identify as having certain gigs. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, that's no, that's, that's cool because I think there's different groups that are underrepresented or this and that and they don't feel as safe. And yeah, it's cool for them to run those gigs. But end of the day, I think the way I look at that is all of those gigs um, still feed into comedy in general at the end of the day, you know, like these people that are going to see stand-up um, of whatever um, group they're identifying as will maybe see another group or they might see like a diverse show where there's just, you know, it's not about a particular group. Um, so I don't think it it actually breaks us apart or makes, you know, us not be united, but it's actually still growing comedy and has its place, I think, if that makes sense. I think if we actually got it right and actually got a fully diverse community that all felt good performing together, and I think that makes comedy better, learning off each other's experiences. I think if people had to go off into silos to perform comedy, I think comedy would lose a massive amount of equity out of that. No, I definitely agree there because I think some of the best gigs that I've been to with other comics has been when there's someone who's completely different to myself that I'm talking to and understanding their experience. And, you know, we're all sharing the same thing, which is stand-up. I think that's, that's definitely like a beautiful thing when we can all come together, you know, regardless of age, beliefs, you know, gender, sexuality, um, race, we all come together. That is, I think, really special and something that we should continue to build for sure. Have you um, had any personal experiences of uh, where you felt like the environment wasn't as safe as it should be as for you as a performer? <laughs> as safe as it should be. To be honest, I haven't really been in an environment where I felt like I was unsafe. Like you could say maybe an environment felt safer than another, but it wasn't like a stark contrast where I was like, whoa, you know, I feel unsafe. Like there's a problem here. But my standard of what I think is safe and not might be very different to someone else. So what yeah. I'm comfortable with might be very different to someone else based on their background and whatnot. I think the, the interesting thing about comedy in New Zealand, because it's not regulated, i.e. you don't have to sign something before you start or you don't have to be part of a union or a group. Obviously, the comedy guild's there to support the comedy industry. But to do comedy, you don't have to be a member of the guild. As you said, you can just email, you know, be it Ian or Chester or Matt or Scott or, um, you know, any of those guys um, and just and get a gig. And the problem is when you go on stage, you genuinely don't know that, well, actually, if I had a problem in this gig, I wouldn't even know who to talk to. Or, you know, because nobody gets... 
nobody gets an induction to comedy, really, unless you go to a comedy school or, you know, you're taken under a comedian's wing. You kind of put, you, you put your name down, you get thrown on stage, and no matter how that gig goes, you're kind of on your own and you generally have to find stuff out as you go along. Hmm. Definitely, yeah. It's definitely a matter of figuring things out on your own along the way, I think. And I think that's where the problem is, I think. Me personally, I don't know about you, Matt. I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, I, well, I do. It's interesting because I do feel that actually quite a lot of the producers, from my point of view, speaking as a, as a white male in my 40s, who's reasonably self-confident most of the time, um, I feel that a lot of the producers would actually at least um, listen to, cons- certainly if I had any concerns, um, but yeah, I think that there's a lack of, we do need something else there, I think, to, to protect us. And I'm not quite sure where we would go for that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like most of the producers that I can think of off the top of my head, I think if I brought anything serious to them, that they would address it and look into it and would handle it well. But other than that, yeah, I'm not. So we've still got this unknown amount of time in lockdown. Obviously, the numbers today, 20 again, are are looking promising. Um, But we still don't know really when we're going to get out. We're at least here till the 15th of September and today's the 5th. What are your plans for the rest of lockdown? (laughs) So I want to work on this thing called The Power List, which is actually from a podcast podcast. can I shout them out? Actually, it's a really good podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Whoa, 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 whoa. You just said it's actually a really good podcast. Were you making reference at this one? Aaron, I think that's, that's your insecurity <laughs> speaking. Not yeah, me. yeah, yeah. I didn't think that at all, just because I'm not as insecure as you, obviously. Oh, okay. Damn, damn. I'm not trying to tear this podcast apart, guys. But um, the podcast I was going to mention is called Real AF. It's by a guy called Andy Frisella. Um, but he talks about this thing. I think the podcast episode is called Win the Day. And it's like, a, it's a tool to, to build habits pretty much. And what you do is you put a, you have a list. You'll put five things on that list that you want to do. And um, they usually relate to, or they relate to exact tasks of things that you want to work on in your life and improve. Say you want to go to bed at, at 10. Um, <laughs> a random one, but that could be it. Like I'm trying to fix my sleeping pattern. So that, that could be one of them. And you either take that off as done, like completed or not completed, you know, because it's pretty black and white whether you get that done. And you work through these things and you keep doing them um, day after day. And if you complete everything on that list, you put it down as like a win. And you keep doing these things until the whatever's on your list becomes a habit. And then you sub that out to add something else that you might want to build as a habit. And I think it's a really simple concept but it could be really powerful for implemented. So I just want to work on that to achieve the things I want to achieve to become a, a slightly better version of myself, you know, go from the, um, go from the, the cheap freezer tacos to, to a premium taco, you know. It's pretty cool for people who actually can take control of their life. Um, but I think we all can, you know, like that's, a, that's not, a, I don't think that's a reasonable Thing to, like I think we all think this sometimes that oh am I in control or can I sort this out and be disciplined? But I think what you'll find is we all are because think about it. How do people that are fully out of control, that are say extremely overweight or have some very severe problems, 
how did they get to where they are, where they're fully out of that situation and like transform the person they are today and who they are and what they have in them now is what got them there. Meaning you have what it takes right now to do what you want to do is whether you want to do it or not. Yeah, that's right, Darren. I hope you're listening. Yeah, no, I am going to do something about my white mat. That's correct. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was using it as a general example. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't talking about that at all. <laughs> Again, your, insecuri- your insecurities are flowing through today. I, I could say I could see the way you look at me. <laughs> you're looking at him like a piece of meat. Is that what a you're gen- saying? A general, dis- a general look of disappointment. <laughs> he's like of all the people I could have ended up doing a podcast with out of the comedy school I got lumbered with this guy <laughs> so, Darren you really are yeah you really your insecurities are just shining through it's, uh, it's quite embarrassing really for a man of your age well he's just a he's just a confident vulnerable young man how could you be attacking him like this Matt when he's just trying to be himself he's trying to share his truth with us and you're just cutting him down this is my um, way, as a, as a British man, this is my way of actually reassuring my friends that they're okay. This is about the best I can do. Beautiful. My word. I, I can just see how you could handle union negotiations. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your future plans for Comedy Tacker? What, what, what do you want to do in the future? Uh, I just want to continue doing gigs and getting better, like gig by gig. Um, I also want to, I don't know if this, this isn't really particularly comedy related, but I want to MC like a fight night, you know, like do some, mm. try do some ring announcing. I think that would be pretty sweet. Um, cause I quite like combat sports and I don't mind being on the mic obviously. So I think that would be cool. And I want to do more, um, online content, whether it's like skits or stuff on Instagram and whatnot. So if you guys want to check that out, it's Tux Law at Tux Law. And before we finish Taco, is there anything else you want to promote? Um, about yourself or anything else promote <clears throat> that I want to promote is it really a promotion but uh, I watched this um, just random, random dude on, on Instagram his name is actually Spanian and he was talking about how like of all the groups of people that are targeted by racism like Indian people are most commonly targeted like casually and <clears throat> people don't seem to care about it which I never really thought about that much, but I think is very true. Like racism seems to always gravitate towards like whoever's like the easiest um, target for whatever reason. Like, I don't think I'm on that same sort of level, but you know, people joke about um, Asian people all the time because it's like easy. You know, some people, they can't even, some people literally can't even understand English that well and people take the piss out of them. You know, it's like the easiest target, like someone that can't even like speak about it. But um, yeah, I think that, I don't know why I thought of sharing this, guys, but it was literally on my mind. I think that we do need to think about that because, like, Indian people are amazing. You know, I have Indian friends that are, you know, really cool people. And I feel like it's quite sad that people find it easy to casually joke about um, Indians and Indian people. Like, that's, that's not cool. You know, people talk about racism in all sorts of other ways, but we don't look at some problems like that. I feel like there's not much attention on that. So mm. do with that what you will, guys. And I hope that, um, yeah, we can live in a little less racist world in the future. <laughs> Amen to that.
Amen. Yeah. Damn. Damn, Darren's praying. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. How many? How many? Yeah. Um, in terms of shout-outs, I got an Instagram page. <laughs> Obviously, you guys heard about it. It's TaxLaw. That's T-A-K-S-L-A-W. I'm going to be posting more on there. And definitely, I'm going to be posting something with the podcast that is on it, guys. So if you guys like awesome. this podcast, you'll see something from there. And um, I got a Facebook page as well that doesn't have um, too many people that have checked it out yet, but I'm going to put some more stuff on there sometimes. So if you guys want to check that out, that's Taco Law Comedy, T-A-K-H-O-U-L-A-W, Taco Law Comedy. Yes, I can spell my name, guys, first and last name. <laughs> I'm already following Taco Law Comedy, by the way. I just I just want to point that out. Oh my man. Is that on Facebook? It yeah, is. On Facebook. <laughs> Which means that Matt isn't. No. Uh, I think I might be actually. I just need to check. <laughs> and I can see your your name picture is actually at Red Bar. There you go. You know you took that photo, right, Darren? I think I did actually, yeah. Yeah. yeah did you guys know that Darren's a photographer? <laughs> no. I didn't what's your rates? Looking at this photo, what, what, I'm, I'm not what, sure that I would call him a photographer. Hopefully what, hopefully what comes out of this episode is I've been a very active supporter and follow, follower of Taco Law Comedy. And is the cover photo on your um, on your Taco Law Comedy Facebook page, is the cover photo, is that you and Eddie Murphy? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely me and Eddie Murphy, guys. <laughs> Now there's wow. actually um, I think was, you were there, Darren. There was actually a gig that I did, um, and uh, someone was like, "Are you that guy from one of my jokes?" And then I was like, <laughs> "I'm I'm me." Like, I don't know if you guys have seen that scene in Russia where the guy's like, "I am you, you are me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It made me think of that, so I put that on there. But I'm gonna edit that sometime and put that up. So, yeah. That was cool. I think I was there I when you. Was... Sorry, Darren. No, sorry. I was I was saying the same as you. Um, I, I definitely, um, I was definitely there for that. It was funny. Yes, that was funny. Well, verified. Two people laughed at one of my gigs, guys. Verified. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on, guys. If you guys are listening to this episode, thanks for listening and making it this far. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hope you guys have a good lockdown, or whenever you guys are listening to this, hope you guys have a good week. Um, yeah, I hope you guys got something out of this podcast. Mainly facts about Darren, you know, because. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Chaco. Appreciate that. And look out right, obvious... have... Sorry, carry on. Look out for obviously um, podcastinators on Twitch. Matt said he's going to keep accountable. He said he's going to do it. So look out for that, guys. <laughs> we are going to be on Twitch. And um, yeah, I think I've got some ideas for how we can broadcast on Twitch. Wow, there we go. If nothing else, this episode has brought you more taco and more procrastinators. That's right. Okay, um, thanks again anyway. It's been good having you. And I am going to stop the recording now.